So uh, we're starting a new year. We're starting a new series. And this series is about making choices, making choices. Because here's the thing, for you guys, some of the choices you make over the next two or three years are going to have a big impact on the rest of your life. Um, you ask any of the adults in this room, a lot of the choices they made in middle school set a tone for how they lived through high school, through college. Some, like, there are things that I made choices about in middle school that still are directing me today, right? And so the choices you make are important, but I think sometimes it's crazy because the stage of life you're in, your parents, your teachers, different people in your life are giving you more choices to make, but yet you, they're not telling you how to make those choices, right? So they're saying, here, you get to decide. And you're like, I don't know how to decide. Some of you freak out. Some of you go, yeah, I'll decide, no problem. And then you make the wrong choice. And you're like, oh, why did I make that choice? That was dumb. But it's too late. So I want to give you guys some choices. So I have something. If you look on the front of your sheet there, I'm going to grab one right here so I can follow along with you. If you look, this is the front, actually. Um, so we're, we're looking at making choices week one. And, and so what we're going to do over the next few weeks, we're going to build what's called a flow chart. How many of you have ever seen a flow chart before, right? Yeah. Well, if you saw my shirt today, you saw a flow chart. My shirt is a flow chart, right? Because, yes. Yes, I did. I see. You, you see, I don't, just, I don't just throw, like, something at the wall and go, wonder what I'm going to talk about this week. I actually plan ahead. Even my shirt, I plan ahead. So, this is a flowchart from The Princess Bride, and it has choices. So the way a flowchart works, it'll ask a question. You answer that question, and it takes you further into the flowchart, or it takes you out of the flowchart. Like, it, it, answer, it gives you a final answer. Here's, I, I put a sample flowchart that I found that I was, thought was funny because it's a flowchart about flowcharts, right? So... Um, it has the star, and it said, this is a flow chart. And you either say, okay, or you say, a what? And then, uh, okay, and so you got it. Yep, that's a flow chart, right? Or so, or you go, this is a flow chart, a what? A flow chart, a what? How did you get this far anyway? No idea. Okay, see the boxes? No. Wait, what? <laughs> right? Or, uh, and see the arrows? Yes, that's a flowchart. No, are you dumb, right? Uh, um, and, and then there's, I can't read these. That's a flowchart. All right, so, but that's the way a flowchart works. So it'll ask you a question, you answer a question, and it takes you to the next box, right? And so I know some of you are like, well, that's stupid, right? But what it is, sometimes it gives you a way to kind of weigh things in a different way. Um, and, and we're going to look at some, I'm going to, every week, I'm going to have like a silly flow chart that we're going to use to kind of make some decisions. But I want to give you a general flow chart that's more like how to answer the big questions in your life, how to make the big decisions in your life. And so we're going to do, really, our flow chart is going to be four big questions that you ask. And each question leads to the next question. So today we're going to start with our first question, right? So if you flip over on the back, right? When you need, when you make a flow chart, 
you need a first question, and this is ours. Our first question is, is it right or wrong? And some of you are like, that's a basic question, man. You know, I don't even have to ask that. But I think we do. I think we do. I think when you're faced with the question of should I do this thing or not, then asking is it right to do or is it wrong to do is a big deal. And you might say, well, Chris, I don't do things if they're wrong. Yeah, maybe you don't. But I think all of us at some time do things that are wrong. Um, and and here's, here's the deal. I think it also matters where we get the standards of right and wrong. You agree? So where do you, where do you get your standard? If, if you say something is right, something is wrong, where do you get that idea? Somebody tell me. Who's... You guys don't have any idea? You, you just... Tell me, where do you get your standard of right and wrong? Your parents. From your parents. That's a pretty good, pretty good thing. My parents were really good at that, um, telling me right and wrong. Um, in fact, there were things that they told me were, were wrong, and other people, everybody around me was saying they were right, and I was like, nope, that's wrong. I know that. Um, good. Where else? The Bible. The Bible. The Bible can give us some right and wrong. Uh, the, the Bible can be tricky, though, you know, because the Bible has a lot of laws, especially in the Old Testament, where it says this is absolutely right and this is absolutely wrong, and we kind of just ignore it, right? Because, uh, and that makes it hard. Like, like, it says it's right to offer sacrifices at the temple, and probably none of you have ever done that, and you're supposed to do it every year. So, you mess up. All right, where, what else? Where else can you get those ideas? Experience. Experience. Experience can definitely tell us right and wrong. What else? The law. The law. Yeah, because it doesn't say in the Bible that you should follow the speed limit, but you probably should, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, you can't go, that's not going to be okay if you say, if you're driving 100 miles per hour down the interstate and the policeman pulls you over and says, do you know how fast you're going? And say, yeah, but there's no, no rule in the Bible that says I couldn't. Watching other people. Watching other people, yeah. <laughs> Learn from other people's mistakes. <laughs> that was wrong. <laughs> All right, one more. Here we go. What else? Um, your conscience. Your conscience. Very good. So sometimes, and, and we might... Uh, I would say that's the Holy Spirit. That's the Spirit of God at work in you. Um, so learning where those standards come from is important, where we get those standards. Look at this verse here, um, James 1, 22 through 25. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. So have you ever done that, where you looked in the mirror and you walk away and you go, wow, I don't even know what I was wearing today. That never happens, right? Like, you look at yourself, when you look at yourself in the mirror, you look at yourself in the mirror for a specific reason. Some of you don't. Some of you just like to look at yourself in the mirror. I know. I know. I'm not going to point anybody out, trying not to make eye contact, but you know who you are, all right? But some of you, 
most of us, we look in the mirror and we go, do I have something in my nose? That's my first priority always. Is there something hanging out of my nose? I've, it's funny I said that and all of you checked. All of you were like, oh, what's, is, am I okay? Um, so uh, is my hair all right? Does what I'm wearing go together? Some of you, you stop at the nose. That's okay. As long as you get the nose checked, that's good. But, but when you look in the mirror, you look with an intention that you're going to walk away and you're going to fix the thing that needs to be fixed before you walk away. Sometimes, though, when we know right and wrong, and this is not just Scripture. I mean, this is talking about when we listen to the Word of God, we should act on it. But sometimes, even knowing right and wrong, we look at ourselves we say, I'm doing this wrong, but I really want to do it anyway. And so we just walk away and we do it anyway. So our flow chart, when it says, is it right or wrong? Sometimes we just don't even evaluate it. It's like we looked in the mirror and we didn't even pay attention to what we saw there. Right? But it says, uh, but whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. So I, I think that's interesting to me that this is in the New Testament. It's saying that if we do the right things, the things that we know are right to do, we're going to be blessed. And we're going to talk about that in a minute because I think we definitely have some concrete blessings that we get from that. Um, so look at this other verse, though, Romans 3.21. It says, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law, and the, uh, the law and the prophets bear witness to it. So I want to break this down for just a second. So this is saying in this whole passage, it's talking about the idea, most of the Jews in that day, they measured everything by right and wrong, right? But specifically, they measured it by the law, the Old Testament law, the 600 rules that they were meant to live life by. So they measured it by, do you keep the Sabbath? Do you eat shellfish? Yeah, shrimp is off the menu. Man, you can't do that. Um, do, you, uh, do you like offer the right sacrifices at the right time? Do you give the right amount of money or tithe to the, to the church? To, and, and all those things are how they measured everything. And so this is saying, like, we're not slaves to that anymore. Those rules are not for us to live by, to measure up anymore. That's what the Old Testament was kind of saying. If you do these things, then you please God. This is what pleases God. This is what God wants you to do. But the writer here, Paul, is saying, look, you now, that all points to what's right. It bears witness to what's right, but you're not under that same law anymore. We talk about that, and in that last verse, it talked about the freedom that we have. We have freedom, right? But we don't have freedom so that we can sin more. We have freedom so that we're not bound by the rules. Does that make sense? Maybe? Kind of? I know it's weird. It's a hard thing. We're going we're gonna to unpack it a little more in just a second. But so if we choose, we have right and wrong, and we choose right, and it says we'll be blessed in James. So what are the blessings? So look at this. Here's some of the results, some of the blessings. Number one, 
You don't have to hide it. That's a big one. You don't have to hide it. Look at that verse there. One of my favorite verses in all of Scripture. Proverbs 28, verse 1. It says, The wicked flee, though no one pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. Right? And, and here's, what that, here's how that breaks down. It's like, for example, your parents, the adults in this room will get this more than you guys, but it's like when you're driving down the road, right? Driving down the road, minding your own business, maybe listening to podcasts, listening to your favorite song, whatever, you're driving along, and you see right there in the pull-off Cobb County Police right there, and you're driving, what do you do immediately? <laughs> Slow down. Let, you may not hit the brake, but you definitely let your foot off the gas. You check your you check your speed. You make sure that your hands are visible at ten and two. Like you do everything. Whoa, uh, 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 right? And you try to correct yourself. I I had a friend who was a Cobb County police officer. He said um, he would he would he wouldn't really look at the speed. He you know he had the he had the speed gun. But he said, I wouldn't look at the speed gun. I would watch the front of the cars as they came down the road. And when I see one go like this, it dips down for a little bit, I pull them over. He said, because you know why? Because that person hit their brakes because they, were, they thought they were doing wrong. They knew they were doing the, the wrong thing. And he said, so I just reinforced that. And he said, so I'd pull them over. And, and he said, most of the time, they'd be like, I'm so sorry, officer. I didn't realize I was going that fast. And, and they would immediately, he said, but it's funny because they knew they were doing the wrong thing. But since there was nobody there to tell them no, they were, they were doing it. But when they saw him, they immediately hit the brake because they knew they were doing wrong. Some of you have had that experience maybe in class, right? where you had your phone out and you weren't supposed to have your phone out and like you were checking something under the desk and you didn't realize the teacher had walked around to the back of the room because she's so stealthy. And so she came around to the back of the room and as she walks past you, maybe she didn't even look at you, maybe she didn't even notice, but you go, oh, 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 and you can feel your pulse all of a sudden. You feel the blood drain from your face. You kind of slide down. Or I, there was one time, so when I was in high school, I never cheated on tests. I didn't, I didn't cheat. That, that wasn't me. I wasn't that guy. I didn't have to most of the time. I was, I was pretty smart. I got things pretty quickly. But chemistry class was kicking my rear end. I could not. Like, there were all these formulas, all this stuff you had to know. And so it was driving me crazy. So I made a cheat sheet. No, I know. You're so disappointed in me. So it was it was beautiful though. It was beautiful. Like I had a magnifying glass. I did this whole thing on this small, it was, it was business card size and I had every formula. I had to do it like four times to get everything small enough. I had to go buy a new pen that had a fine enough tip to write all these on it. But it was immaculate. Like honestly, I think if I had gotten caught with it, my teacher would have gone, <gasps> A, just because it was so beautiful, right? Had every formula for the year, had a bunch of little things that I had trouble with during the year, and so I had it all. My friend Jim sat across the lab table from me, and he knew I had it. And so we had this little pact going that 
he could use it too, right? So our teacher, Mr. Derenberger, he, he, why are you laughing at his name? That's a good name. That's an awesome name. He was about this tall, Mr. Derenberger. He was awesome. And so Mr. Derenberger would always have us, when class started, you had to have a cover sheet on your, on your table, and that's all you should have on the table. Cover sheet, writing utensil, that's it. Everything cleared off the table. So all I had to do was stick that cheat sheet under my cover sheet, good to go, right? Good to go. But like I said, mom and dad were always like, you know, don't cheat, you know, don't do this, blah, blah, blah. And I started to feel really guilty. It was right after lunch. It was first class after lunch. So we go in, we sit down, I stick it under the sheet. Oh, man, guilt was just eating me up. And I was like, you know, I wrote all these formulas so many times on the cheat sheet. I probably know them now. And so I pulled it out, and I slid it into my pocket, and I just put it away. I was like, I'm not going to cheat. But I didn't say anything to anybody. So Mr. Derenberger comes in, and he goes, all right, everybody, get to your seats. Um, Everybody should have a writing utensil and a cover sheet. And he picks up my cover sheet. I would have been busted right then for sure. But the funny thing is my friend Jim doesn't know that I've pocketed the the cheat sheet. So he's sitting right across from me. As that sheet goes up, Jim just goes like this, boom, and slams his head down on the table. And Mr. Derenberger, of course, there's nothing there. Mr. Derenberger just looks over and goes, Jim, are you okay? And he goes like this. He comes up super slow looking at me, and he goes, I'm fine. I guess I just forgot there was a test today. It's the final. Like, really, like this is the only test that matters. It's the final. I guess I just forgot there was a test today. And Mr. Derenberger goes, oh. This is going to be a long day for you. And Jim's looking at me going, where is it? Where? You know, he's mouthing. Like, where is it? And I'm like, it's gone, gone. And so every time Mr. Derenberger would turn around, we'd be like, and then he'd turn the other way. And Jim's like, I need it. I need it. You know, like, give it to me. And um, so anyway, but it was so funny because, like, I wasn't worried, right? Because that cheat sheet was gone. But Jim, he didn't know. He was still playing the cheat. So when that came up, he freaked out. Now, I I will admit, Jim was a little mad at me afterward. And I'm like, dude, you're mad at me because you didn't get to use my cheat sheet. You were going to double cheat. You were going to cheat off my cheat sheet. Like, that's double cheating. That's cheating squared. Like, you are cheating on cheating. So you should feel bad about that, and you deserve anything you got. And uh, he did okay, though. He, didn't, he passed, and I, I got a B, I think, on that. But anyway, um, so look, you don't have to hide it. Um, look at this, too. But you also, you, don't, you feel better about it. So here's the thing. Sometimes people say, well, if I do the right thing, sometimes people will make fun of me. If I choose the right thing over the wrong thing, they'll make fun of me. They'll say, oh, you're goody-two-shoes, you're whatever. But... 
Here's the thing. They might make fun of you if you do the wrong thing. Most of the people who make fun of you for doing the right thing are probably going to make fun of you for doing the wrong thing too. But if they make fun of you for doing the wrong thing, you just feel that guilt that keeps piling up and feels worse and worse. I, I really don't usually feel that bad when somebody makes fun of me for doing the wrong thing. Like, I feel bad for them more than I feel bad for me. Like, if I did the right thing and they did the wrong thing, I, I don't necessarily feel bad about that, right? So you feel better about it. But here's the thing. Sometimes when we do the right thing, we start to not just feel better about it and not just feel that we don't have anything to hide. We start to feel superior to other people about it. We start to feel like I'm better than other people because I do the right thing and they don't. And we need to understand that we got to let go of that. Because when we do the right thing, as opposed to the right wrong thing, the blessings that we get are that we don't have to hide it and that we feel better about it. The blessing is not that God likes us more because we do right. These right things that we do, doing right instead of wrong, doesn't save us. Look at this. It doesn't save us. Look at this last verse, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. For by grace you have been saved. We talked about grace before. It means something you didn't earn, something you didn't, you aren't worthy of. For by grace you've been saved through faith and not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Look at this. Not by works so that no one can boast. God wants you to do the right thing, but he doesn't want you to do the right thing so that you can go, I'm right and I do the right thing all the time. And I know a lot of Christians who really take a lot of their effort and their time is put into making sure that you know how right they are. But that's not why we should do right. We should do right so that we don't have to hide. We should do right so that we feel better about it. And let me, let me throw this out too. We should do right so that we give an example to the people around us of what a person who follows God looks like, right? We give them an example of someone who doesn't have to hide what they're doing, someone who, who feels good about what they're doing. We give them that example. So question number one on the flowchart, question number one on the flowchart is, is it right? Is it wrong? If it's wrong, don't do it. That's the next box. Don't do it. If it's right, then we need to ask the question that we're going to explore next week. All right? So for now... You got one question. First step in the flowchart. Measure the things you do this week by that, and that's a good start. All right? Let me pray for you guys, and we'll be done. Lord, thank you for each one that's here. Thank you that you do give us this, uh, this way to measure what's right, what's wrong, what's good, what's bad, uh, whether it's Scripture, whether it's our parents, whether it's um, watching other people, the example other people set. Lord, I just pray that we'll take those, those things that we know are good, those things that we know are right, we'll do those. And the things that we know are bad, the things that we know are wrong, we'll stay away from them. Lord, thank you for all you're doing in and through us and all you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week. We'll see you next week, okay?